Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. Uh, without further ado, let me introduce to you Johnny Friesner. Johnny is going to come. Uh, he's our guest speaker this morning. Johnny is a fantastic speaker. He's been around for a number of years in the vineyard. He's been a part of the Lancaster Vineyard. He was uh, a Great Lakes East Regional Youth Coordinator before he handed it off to Jeremy. Our, our, our family life pastor is there now. Would you welcome him and uh, listen really carefully? Thank you, Ross. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm looking around to see some familiar faces. It's good, uh, good to be here this morning. I, uh, uh, when I working even in the Great Lakes in our region, I started that in 2016, 17-ish, and uh, there really wasn't a whole lot going on. And my task was just to try to create some spaces for youth to come together and youth pastors to come together. And I, all I had was like this database of just uh, people and churches. And so I started just calling, you know robo-calling here, and, um, and Jeremy was one of the, the, the first people I called and just kind of laid out a little bit of a vision I was thinking of, and, and Jeremy immediately was like, Johnny, I'm all in. I'm, I'm with you. And so for, I think I did that uh, close to three years, four years, and uh, that was honestly one of the life, most life-giving things of just being with other youth pastors, and you know, we had just a great relationship. It was very life-giving. So, yes, and now I uh, have transitioned out of youth ministry and a few months ago am the associate pastor at Lancaster Vineyard. And uh, this is why. You can see this is what you usually do when you guest speak. You show a picture of your family. And uh, so that's my family there. That's my wife, Jess. We've been married nine years, and um, she's the one that got me suckered into the vineyard um, ten years ago. And, uh, and then that's Levi. He is four, and we have twin girls who tomorrow will be a year and a half. And so, yeah, I see some twins back there. Yes. We're in it together, all right? And uh, I wouldn't drink the water at the Lancaster Vineyard. I've had, uh, about a month ago, I had, within 48 hours, I had two sets of friends tell me they were having twins. Um, So, I don't know, it's something in the water there. So anyway, uh, you know, life is pretty boring. Um, It's really easy. It's very, I'm just kidding. Life is busy right now. And um, and I didn't make, I didn't help things because... Uh, you know, my son's four, and he's at the age where he could play soccer and t-ball and do all that. And so I'm like, yeah, let's sign him up for both. You know, so he is doing t-ball and soccer, and we had, we've had like, uh, we've had four games in the last like five days, and so it's been a pretty busy. And uh, but it's really good. I love, I love my family. I love doing it. It's a fun time. Uh, but the reality is, though, life is just. I feel like life's pulling me in a lot of different directions, right? I mean, there's these sports things, and I'm the t-ball coach, and so I got to organize all of that. And and then at home, we're doing this uh, project. Uh, we we built a pool barn. It's like a, a big he sh- uh, a she shed and a he shed. We got each 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 got a side. So we're working on some of that, and we're doing ministry and church things and. Man, it just like every day, I'm just feeling like I'm getting pulled in a lot of different directions. And, uh, you know, um, and when you're in that, you're kind of getting into survivor mode, right? You just kind of go day to day. Just, all right, what's, what am I doing today? All right, let's get through the day. And so uh, the problem with that, though, right, is it's hard to, when you're living that way, to live with a specific purpose and intention of, and a direction. And so, you know, life can be busy. And I know if you're a parent or just even in life, um, you can feel like life just pulls you in a lot of different directions. And, and sometimes it's hard to, to feel like you're heading in one specific direction that you want to end up. 
And so one of those things I've been doing, uh, it's, been, it's, it's a six-month-long program, discipleship program. It's called Emotionally Focused. It's through the Mile High Vineyard. And I'm not, I don't have time to go into the, the gist of what that program is, but one of the things I was encouraged to do this week was to write my own eulogy, uh, to, to sit down. I know it sounds a little morbid. It sounds like, why would you want to do that? But, um, but the whole purpose of this is to create some vision in your life, you know, to create some direction in your life that ultimately, that when you get to that place, you know, uh, what would you want people to say about you? And you're kind of starting with the end in mind of like, this is where I'm, I'm heading. You know, we're all heading to that same point. But at that point, you know, what do we want people to say about us? And then, because then, what the reality is, when you start thinking that way, you really just boil it down to the most important things, right? You, you kind of go, what are the most important things in life that I should be pursuing? And if you're a follower of Jesus, right, you want those things to match up with Jesus, right? You want, you want those things to, to match up with the life of Jesus. And, and essentially, like, even to th- it's helpful for me to think about is, so if Jesus lived my life, what would be the things he would be pursuing? And so that's kind of my goal this morning is to talk through those things a little bit because we need some of those those uh, narrowed down, clear uh, direction for our life. Because when we find ourselves in the kind of the day-to-day of just getting through the day, we can lose sight and we can kind of just react to everything that gets thrown at us. And um, this is a way to bring some clarity to say, even in the midst of those, we can still make decisions that, that inch us clo- closer to that vision that Jesus has for us. Because here's the problem, and, and I'm sure many of us can relate to this, that life has a way of taking us places. And I don't know about you, in the past year and a half, I'm sure you've realized that we have about this much control over our life, and, and, and life tends to take us places that we may not even want to go. And so if we let life lead us, we may end up in a place we don't want to be, or my fear is, even worse, we may end up becoming a person we want, don't want to become. And, and, uh, and so this idea is uh, this clarity, this direction, this vision. When we have a vision for our life, we, we don't just react to everything that's thrown at us, that we can still inch closer to this vision that Jesus has for us. And so I'm going to um, read out of John 15. And so if you want to go to your Bibles, because Jesus does this for his disciples. He gives them a, a, a real clear instructions. These are the things I want you to pursue in your life. And he narrows it down. And so before I do that, I'm going to pray as we dive into uh, the scripture. So Holy Spirit, I thank you. Um, I'm thankful that you're just here this morning. Holy Spirit, we can experience your presence as we just worship, as we gather, as we come together under your teachings, your words. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would come, you would just, these wouldn't be my words or my ideas or what my vision I think everyone should pursue, but but Jesus, they would be um, your words. And I I pray, Holy Spirit, you would just penetrate our hearts. We open ourselves up to whatever you have for us. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to be in John, uh, chap- or John chapter 15. 
And uh, I'm going to give a little context here. So uh, this is the night before Jesus is crucified, and he's, he's instructing his disciples. He's giving them warning. He's like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm about ready to, to be crucified. I'm going to be taken away, and you guys can't go where I'm going. So, you know, normally the past three years, you've just kind of been following me around. That's been your vision is just, okay, Jesus goes this way, I go this way, right? You've just been this vision of following Jesus around. Now he's saying, you can't go where I'm going, and so now uh, I'm going to give you a vision of what you need to pursue. And so just in, real quick, in, in verse 1, Jesus is saying, I'm the true grapevine. And what he's meaning is, he's pointing to this fact that in the Old Testament, Israel was seen as a vine or a vineyard. And there's, uh, if you look at Hosea, Isaiah, Psalm 80, uh, there's the people of God, the people of Israel, was seen as this, this, this vine or this vineyard. And their purpose and their design was to produce fruit, right? To produce uh, fruit. And in that way, people and even other nations could experience his goodness, right? And taste the goodness and, and of who he is. And yet, Israel failed, failed to live up to that, right? They failed to be faithful to that vision that God had for them. And so Jesus is saying, now I'm the vine. Uh, it's through me that you, can ex- that you can taste and see the goodness of God. And now he's instructing that you guys are the branches. So that's where we are. That's the context for John 15. We're going to start in verse 4. It says this, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. And so Jesus has given them the end goal, right? The end goal is to be, what, fruitful. And he's saying the first way to do that, the only way you can get fruitful is what? To remain in me. Uh, I like the word, that's the, the Greek word is uh, meno, and uh, I, it can be used sometimes in like traveling, like if you're going somewhere, you, you remain or you stay back, you don't continue on your journey or you do not depart from a specific place. Um, or another way to say it is to continue to be present. I like that translation, it's just this idea of it's an ongoing thing, it's not something you just do once, it's this ongoing thing of continuing to be present. And that phrase, remain in me and I will remain in you, actually means continue to be present in me and see that I continue to be present in you. And so this is this first idea, right? This vision that if we're going to walk in this vision Jesus has for us, we have to stay continually connected to Jesus. Even though Jesus wasn't going to be there physically, he's instructing his disciples, you still have to stay connected to me. And here's why. He says, what, apart from me, you can do nothing, right? And that goes against everything that is in us, right? And everything that we naturally want to do. I don't know about you, but when, I, when I'm a deficient in something or I want to grow in something, I want to go somewhere, like I just like grip my teeth and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work really hard and I'm going to get there. I'm just going to inch myself closer, right? And part of that is I played baseball and so you have to hit the tee uh, like over and over and over and over again, right? Because your performance was directly correlated to what, how hard you worked. 
And the reality is, this is what Jesus is saying. You can't work yourself hard enough to get to the place I want you to go. Right? The only way you're going to get there is if you stay connected to me. You stay present to me. And this is just this ongoing basis. And, and the beauty of this is we, no matter where we're at or what we're doing, we can stay present to Jesus. That even in this moment, I can stay present to Jesus. Even uh, as I'm in, at you know, 2 a.m., hypothetical, 2 a.m., I'm given a bottle, you know, I can still stay present to Jesus. One of those things is the beauty of this, of Jesus, even though he is left physically, is that we have his spirit, right, to be with us, to be present wherever we're at. And we can continue to stay present to him no matter what. And so that's the first guiding principle, is a life that continues to be present to Jesus. And so you still need some willpower, right? I know for me, that's just, though, getting into a space where I can be present with Jesus. So it's turn off my phone, getting 15 minutes of silence and solitude and just being with Jesus, right? Or it's taking a Sabbath, uh, just a weekly rhythm where we can just be with him. And this is, that's the willpower. is not to transform ourselves; It's to just get present with Jesus. So let's keep going on. Let's keep reading. Verse 9 says this, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Remain, same word. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So again, he's, he's going to continue this idea of not just staying present to Jesus, but also staying present to what? His love. And here's this reality. We have to be rooted and grounded in this idea over and over again, right? That Jesus loves us. That it's not a reward for our hard work or it's we are earning his love. The reality is what? He first loved us. And so if we are going to pursue this vision God has for us, we have to be solid in his, in, in his love for us. Because here's the reality, and this is where I find myself, if I'm not solid in my love for Jesus, I'm not confident in his love for me, then I tend to go look at in other places, don't we? Like, to look at it like in ministry success. If I just be successful in ministry, then, you know, God loves me. Or I'm going to go to a person or to a thing. If we aren't solid in who we are then in our, in God's love for us, then we will tend to go to other things and other people to try to get that love. And eventually, right, if you do that, you may end up at a place you don't want to be. But also Jesus ties this idea of surrender, or this idea of staying present to his love to also obedience. Did you guys catch that? That this idea that, that if you remain or you, you um, follow my commandments, that you will remain in my love. And Jesus links those two things. And, and uh, David Benner in his books, um, Surrender to Love, he ties those things two together. And I think it's it's super helpful. He says, too often people see Christianity in terms of rules and morality, a system of obligation and prohibitions. This entirely misses the point of Christ following. Christian obedience is more like what lovers give each other than what soldiers give their superiors. Lovers demonstrate their love by doing what each other wants, and so it should be with Christians and their God. Far from being incompatible with obedience, surrender provides the motive 
for obedience. We should obey God because he has won our hearts in love. If he has not, our focus should not be so much on obedience as on knowing his love. For once we get that solidly in place, obedience begins to take care of itself. Right? And I think that's probably one of the hardest things to do, right? It's this idea of just surrendering that God loves us. Like that God, when he thinks of you, he sees you, he loves us. And over and over again, that's a vision I want for my life. I want to be more certain of that with each passing year. That's a vision I want as I pursue what, that end goal. And so what does Jesus want? We also see this idea of fruit, but he clarifies what he wants. Let's continue on. He says this. This is my commandment. This is verse 12. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I pointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. If you read this whole thing, even from chapters 13 to 18, these last messages over and over again, Jesus says, right? Love each other. This is his command. Love each other. This new commandment I give it to you. Love one another. When asked, when Jesus was asked, like, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, well, there's actually two. I love that, that Jesus, when asked, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus gives him two, right? He says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. But the second is equally as important, right? To love your neighbor as yourself. So here's the idea. This is the vision that Jesus is leading to. This is the fruit he's talking about, that loving well is the goal of the Christian life. Right? This is the vision that Jesus is leading us to. This is where we need to be headed, this idea of loving each other. This is the measure of our spiritual maturity, right? It's, it's not even spiritual practices or how much Bible you know. Love, how we love people, becomes the measure of where we're at spiritually. John doesn't beat around the bush in his epistle in 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 20. He says this, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So here's this idea, right? Over and over again, Jesus is saying, love each other. Love is the vision for your life. But we, in our culture, we, we use love pretty flippantly, right? We use love for a lot of different things. Like, I love Chick-fil-A. Like, I love Parks and Rec. I love Jeremy's hair because, like, it's just nice and flow. Like, my hair just grows out like a poof ball. Um, and then I love my wife and kids. Like, something's not, like, all those aren't equal, right? And so... Um, but, as we just read, Jesus defines love that we can't find anywhere else, right? He says this, love each other in the same way I have loved you. That is his definition of love, right? And so, when his disciples thought of that, when he, he hears those instructions, I'm sure they have this 
image in their mind of just recently, just before this, of seeing their master, their rabbi, their teacher on his knees with a towel scrubbing their feet, scrubbing their feet, just washing all the dust in the grime between the toes and all that, right? They would have had that picture. This is what it means to love each other, right? This is the example Jesus would say. They would also just thought of the cross, this idea of dying for them, right? So this becomes our definition of love, the love that puts the well-being of others at a cost to themselves. And isn't that what we want, though? Like, when you think about the, the eulogy idea, and I've just been wrestling with that idea, I mean, isn't that what you want in life? I don't know, I just, and that's something that could be accomplished in the next week, right? Or even in this moment where, like, more than anything, like, I want to be present to Jesus. Like, I just want to be so connected to him and his voice that my whole life, like, I could just say, you know what? I, I was connected to Jesus. And wherever that led me, that's what I want, you know? Uh, more and more, like, I want to be more and more convinced and confident that Jesus loves me. Just... Each year, each year, I want to just be, have a whole other awareness of that. Because here's what I know. When I'm, when I'm confident in that, I'm not so fearful. Like, I don't, I don't worry about what other people think. I'm just, I'm just satisfied with Jesus' love for me. And more than anything, I want people to say, oh, Johnny loved me well. Like, he was like Jesus with skin on. Like, you know, he loved me well. Like, I want my wife to say that, you know. I want to be around my kids to say, like, Johnny loved me like like Jesus. And I think that's what we want when that is our vision for us uh, and that's what we pursue. Uh, I said this like uh, as we were praying first service, but I, I see this as like a road trip, right? If, if that's our vision, if that's our destination, then our mode of, transfer, tra- mode of transportation, right, is, is our car, right? And that car is staying connected to Jesus because we're not going to be able to go you know, uh, cross-country, like walking by ourselves. We need a mode of transportation bigger than ourselves, and that's staying connected to Jesus. Staying connected in his love, that's like the gas. That's our fuel. That's getting us there, right? We need that. Obedience, right, is choosing to put that love, loving each other, loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what we put, that's our destination in obedience, is steering our car more and more. Even if we get off track, it's steering that back to that vision. So I just want to share, how do you do that? How do we, how do we just love? And, I, and I'm just going to give a quick example, because you, you can take this in a lot of different ways. But as I've been challenged this week, uh, is to just get pre- present with others, right? Getting present with people. When life is pulling you in a lot of different du- directions, right, it's so easy to get distracted when you're with people, right? And to truly love people, you need to get present and you need to enter into their world, Right? we got to get present to people. And then when you get into people's worlds, then you can see the world through their eyes. You see their desperation. You see their despair. You see their discouragement. You see uh, those things. And then out of compassion, you can meet and love them and putting their uh, self-will above yours. And sometimes with my wife, I don't do such a good job at that, right? Or my kids. I can be so distracted. I can... can um, bring a, just even a distracted presence when I'm with people, with them, people or with my family. Yet Jesus, the way he modeled this is, right, he entered into our world, 
right? He entered into, and then, and then anyone he interacted with, whether it was Zacchaeus, whether it was the woman at, at the well, like, Jesus was fully present with them, right? They were the most important thing in that moment to them, and that's our challenge for us. Martin Buber, he wrote this book called um, It Thou, and it was during World War I. He was having this great experience with God, and he, he came out of this worship service, and, and he was so ecstatic with God, and he ended up meeting this, this young man who wanted to meet with him and counsel with him. And, and he's asking him questions, and, and, and the story is Martin just was kind of distracted, wasn't fully present. Um, but Martin found out, I don't know if it was a few days or a week, that that man committed suicide. And um, it just shook Martin to the core as a way of, man, I'm not bringing this fully present when I'm with people. I'm seeing people as an it, not a thou. And, and sometimes when we see people as an it, it's just a, an object to consume or somebody to move us where we want to be. And, and Martin had this revelation that we need to see people like we need to see people as thou's, right? Created in the image of God. And when we interact with them, that we need to be fully present. So um, just recently, uh, I'm going to kind of end with this. Um, my son is four and he has this weird obsession with Bibles and um, he's, he's right on that PK path, right, of doing really uh, preacher kid things. But anyway, it was really cute at first and um, but then he's just like wanting our Bibles and he's wanting to like write in them and so so like I just pulled like one of my old Bibles, you know, like a King James version that I haven't, nothing against King James, if that's what you read, no judgment, okay? But that's the one I pulled out, and uh, I think, and uh, this letter popped out. I was like, what is this? And so I, I was reading it, and uh, it's a letter I wrote myself 12 years ago. I wrote myself a letter uh, when I was like 22. I was right out of college. I was like probably two years uh, just into my committed, um, just being committed to Jesus and you know, I, I just got done. I was uh, I was hired as a youth work staff, which is like a, a missions trips for for teenagers that you can send your youth groups to. And so I was I just did that, man. And I just I was in love with Jesus. Like I was so passionate about with him. I just graduated college and I had a biology degree and I'm in debt and I, I I'm I don't have any woman prospects and. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I didn't have a plan, and I was scared. But, but I know as I was reading through this, it, this letter was all about, Johnny, don't forget. Don't forget how you experience God, how much he's been faithful to you. Don't forget how much you love him. And even in the end, it says, you know, just free to be you, free to serve, uh, free to love one another. Be radical for the cause of Christ. And I looked at that. And I remember the joy that I just experienced. Like, it wasn't a circumstantial joy. It was just a joy of just, that's what my vision was, that. And I just was like, oh. Immediately thought of, like, Revelation 2. And all the things, of all the ways, of all the ways I've been distracted uh, with all these different things. It was just a moment like, no, I want to go back to this, right? And, and even Revelation 2, it, it's... It's this letter to Jesus, and he's writing this church in Ephesus, and he's saying, I see all the, th- the hard things you're doing. You're working hard. Um, but he says, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. 
turn back to me and do the works you did at first. And this was just like, ah. But it's just a moment of coming back to this idea that, that Jesus wants to make this the center of what we pursue. This is the fruit he calls for. There is nothing in the world that's like that. And this is the fruit he wants us to experience in our marriages and as we are parenting kids. This is the fruit he wants the world to taste because there is no fruit like it, right? You know a tree by its fruit. And and Jesus said, you will be known as my disciples by what? How well you love each other. And then my challenge for you as a church, isn't that what you, that's my challenge for you as individually, but also as a church. Like, don't you want that more than anything? Like, don't you want to be known in this community? Like, hey, go to Quest Vineyard. They, they know Jesus. They are connected to him. They hear his voice. They, they are aware. Like, if you go there, you can experience his love for you. And it can come just by in our worship environments where you're going you're gonna to feel the love of God. But also, they're like people with Jesus with skin on, man. They are going to love you, like, in real tangible ways. And that's my prayer for you guys. That's my prayer as you think through. That's the vision I want us to all pursue together. So let us pray, and uh, we'll worship one song. So Jesus, I thank you um, that you have a vision for us, that you have a vision for our life, and that life is to be fruitful. And we can't do it without you. And you want us to experience joy, joy that's overflowing. And so I pray even this morning and even as we sing this song, we just re- or reoriented back to what truly matters. You love us, that we love you, and that we can love each other. In Jesus' name I pray. We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.